Welcome to this episode of MLO, Modern Loan Officer. For this app, we have a takeaway from a live show we did on Facebook regarding the topic of, will we have a real estate crash? Getting a lot of emails, texts, and calls on this subject, primarily about where is the market going? What's gonna happen next? Are there deals to be had? How do we navigate through where interest rates are going? So the full team is on board here. Christian, Casey, myself. Please, please, please enjoy the show. Once again, my name is Eddie Nett. This is MLO. And guys, anybody, guys and gals watching, feel free. If you've got any questions, this is as much for you guys as it is for us. Uh, this is the MLO group, the Modern Loan Officer, where... We look to create a transparent environment for people to learn and engage and prepare themselves for home buying and home selling. Um, and some of the emails and stuff I've been getting all over the place have been really fun to feel just all over the nation. But one of the uh, probably four times yesterday and then today I've had people ask me, do you think that there's going to be a real estate crash like we've seen during the Great Depression or... Are, should I hold out to see foreclosures and huge deals? So I think that opens up a, a subtopic on this episode to really dive into because, guys, I think we're not dealing with some apples to apples uh, if you're looking at the Great Depression or the 08 crash because comparing that to what is it was a corrupt financial system as well as an under-regulated lending process, we have completely tackled those. Like us three know, like it is very compliantly driven to issue residential loans now. And it's very, very hard and very conservative on the back end. Hopefully the consumer doesn't feel that, but guys, I want to bring it open. Like what is your opinion on where the real estate market's going? I think we are in a great position. I, I generally speaking, I think it's a supply and demand right now. There are more people than housing on a national spectrum and there's not enough houses for these people. And that's why we're still seeing these huge, um, huge over asking prices. I mean, even on the weekends, it's over here in the Pacific Northwest, six to 12 freaking offers on a house, 20, 40, 50 grand over asking. So I like uh, Christian, what do you think? Like, what's your opinion nationally speaking in the real estate market? Yeah, well, I think you kind of answered a lot of your own questions because we are seeing those over asking prices, escalation clauses. Um, it's a very competitive market out there. If you are a seller um, selling your property um, as a purchaser, uh, it's tough. I'm, we're hearing those uh, those stories of people just getting outbidded day in day out. So yeah, I think we're financially in a much stronger situation than we were in 08. We're not doing these exotic loans that put us in this situation. Um, you know, like you said, guidelines have tightened up. Yes, we still have the three percent down, but we put some real heavy guidelines on those. You know, you got to have a more favorable credit score. Mm -hmm. um, we're going through the property. We're doing home buyer's education. So all of those things that we've done to kind of correct or curb any of these things um, in our West Coast markets, I think are very strong. Now, I do believe, believe we'll talk about some of those second homes and investment properties maybe fall into some short sales in the desert states and whatnot. Mm. So I think those are going to be some different markets. And But it will be a small portion that you'll see people that may be affected through this pandemic of COVID-19 and hopefully they can make it through, but there'll be some opportunities for investors out there for sure. 
That's a super good point because I, I also noted, like, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, I think if there's any deals that are going to be had, it's going to be at the coast because, to your point, those are the vacation properties. Those are those are the things that offload first. And going back to, to our point, like, why are investment properties higher interest rates, right? Because those are the properties that get offloaded first. The primary ones yeah. get protected. And I think, too... Our governments uh, and the feds will do whatever we possibly can to prevent a recession as much as possible. I mean, there are certain things like the unemployment rate skyrocketing. Money can't even be funneled with cities being shut down. But I think you have to play into the fact that America is going to do what they can out of their ability for stim checks to make sure people have funding to pay their mortgages, pay their rent, fuel the economy and I doubt, too, with an upcoming election, I'm sure that is a really tough word for people to say publicly. Yep. Like, who's going to be president? You think Donald freaking Trump is going to let it slide into a real estate crash in the next, like, four to No. Like, whoever it is, even if it's him reelected or a new person, no one under their watch is going to, you know, prom... Like, look at it this way. If you're running for class president, you're not going to let the teachers take away recess, right? You're going to make sure everyone gets lunch, snack, and recess. So I just don't see this huge dramatic swing that a lot of people are, A, really concerned about, but then also home buyers thinking, should I hold off, right? Casey, anything on your end, especially oh. being a veteran and the different opportunities you guys have to take advantage of uh, different programs? Well, yeah, and I mean, the one thing, I want to touch on that VA part of it too, because even me and uh, Christian were talking about that before we came on the mm -hmm. show. And we got a good little nugget there. Um, but with our area too here, Portland, um, you know, we got a lot of people moving here. You know, so people have to understand that. I mean, we get a, we have a ton of, you know, these tech center businesses, Intel, Nike, and stuff. So we get here in the Northwest. We're becoming. You know, a city that, you know, we're getting used to as far as higher house prices, you know, the influx of buyers, the competition and stuff like that. I mean, probably take us back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Portland, Oregon is a, it's, it's obviously a way different Portland, Oregon and. You know, California mover, you know, people from California moving up here and, and stuff. So coming back to that investment side or thinking that there is going to be, you know, if there was a crash, let's just say, then if that's going to happen, I think you should start preparing now yourself financially, right? Because you're not going to be the only player out there in the game for these properties. I mean, if it's a crash, you know, it's going to be for people that are going to want to want to invest or be investors, it's going to be game on. So if you're not, you know, trying to save money now for that anticipation, you know, if the market changes and you have opportunities there, then you're going to be stuck holding the bag again and saying, man, I wish I could have been an investor, but it's, you know, so I think when opportunities like that happen, um, you need to kind of be pre-gaming for that months, years ahead or trying to, because when the opportunity is there, you need to be able to strike it because if the opportunity is there and they're like, oh, we got to get some money and try to make this happen, it's going to be too much competition, I think. But coming back to the VA side, mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, this is a good point to, to make a... You know, VA home loan is made for your primary residence. It's not made to uh, to purchase an investment property. You're not going to use a VA home loan to purchase an investment property. It's just not happening. Um, but 
Uh, Christian made a great, uh, great point of this. You can obviously buy your first primary residence property with your VA loan. And uh, then let's just say it is that, you know, three year mark and you're looking to get another property. You can purchase that second property, that uh, new, uh, new primary residence for yourself as a conventional loan. Mm -hmm. You can leave that VA loan sitting on the old departing primary residence and that can stay there as long as, you know, that loan isn't changed and that house is sitting there. I had a client that it was, they were on their third property and that VA loan was still on their original first primary residence, three properties behind them. Um, and so that's another, that's another thing to, to consider too, is, um, you know, for that VA loan, it can be a great opportunity for you to start your investment career, your real estate asset career with that first home, you buy it as a vet, you use your zero down and you get that first property allows you to maybe save some money or maybe you were saving money for the down payment, used your VA, didn't need it. Now you've got an additional savings for that investment or that new primary later on and you can then convert your previous one into an investment property. So it's a nice little trick with the with the VA loan that, uh, you know, people think you have to constantly take that with you onto your next purchase. You don't have to, you can leave that tied to a property. Yeah, I've seen that happen though. Like I've also seen people get into a VA like, seven or eight years ago and they stayed in it for two, three years, whatever it was. Then they turned it into a rental and then refinance out of the VA into an investment property, which depending on when, where rates were at, it might be a rate improvement for some people. And then they freed up their eligibility once again to buy a new primary at a zero down obligation, new VA loan. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to kind of wiggle your wiggle through. Um, and that particular situation, since the refinance, all of the fees were actually financed in, um, it cost them zero money to purchase a new, another home. So there's a few a different cool strategy. Yeah. There's a, there's a few ways to do it. And I've seen it from, from top to bottom. Um, another like really quick question that I, I'm getting all the time. I really want the group's opinion on this and on all open with a shorter version of mine is like, where, where do we think interest rates are going? Um, and I think what I would like to add in too for our home buyers and sellers, you're going to get a ton of freaking loan officers out there that try to use interest rates as an urgency sales tactic. I hear all the time and it drives me nuts. Better move now, interest rates. Like, oh, come on. Like, by the, by the way, you can't necessarily walk in your rate until you have an accepted offer. There are some lenders out there. I think like the rocket was doing it for a bit. I don't know if they're back, but most of them aren't locking in terms until you have an accepted offer back. So like, first of all, like you can't even control where to be. They're changing every single day. However, like if you look at the span of where interest rates are, I mean, just uh, a year and a half ago, we were in the mid to high fours. So for them to be for a high level credit, some sort of down payment, conventional loan, we're well under 4% now in most situations. That's still unbelievable. Now, where I think they're going to be 
All I can say is the United States, in my opinion, is 100% tied to the cost of money, not only for our businesses, how much does it take to get a small business loan to get credit, but our auto, our mortgage lending, our business, our commercial, even the gosh darn government debt is tied to interest rates. So do you think that this economy, which definitely needs some sort of some sort of life raft is going to skyrocket interest rates i don't know i'm pretty passionate about it kempers what do you what's your take on like the longevity of interest rates staying at a reasonable spot well like you say there's a lot of the indicators to um show that it's going to stay low we Mm -hmm. have an election i think that's that's a big part um i've been in the business for you know 18 years now and yeah through every election year we don't see much movement in that 12 months going up to it um we're pretty stagnant mm. um just for the same reasons we don't want to see a lot of ups and downs uh going into that um also you know uh rates are you know like you said four and a half percent was a good rate you know and now we're at you know three and a half probably around you know par today uh Help me out with my compliance here, uh, depending on every situation. Yeah, loan program. Um, this isn't a commitment to lend. This isn't uh, whatever, NMLS. So, like, yeah. these are general national general averages. Google it. Yeah. Literally. Thank you. We got it from bank rate. If you yeah. Google interest rates today, Google shows national averages. Just a little thing yeah. right there. Yeah. So, go look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So um, I feel like they're still going to be low. Um, we're going to have to take advantage of those, you know, peaks and valleys. Uh, you know, the stock market's going to rally like it did today. You know, we had uh, just a huge day in the in the market. Uh, I think it was plus eight hundred. Um, so we're going to see the MSB go down a little bit. We're going to suffer for a few days now. For my refinance people out there, you have the luxury of kind of really playing the game. You know, right. work with me to find those right dates to lock. And so we're taking a different stance. We're getting you through the underwriting process. We're getting it all cleaned and ready to go so that we can take advantage of a 15-day lock and really uh, provide you with the best advantages to uh, get the lowest rate possible and be strategic about it. Now, everybody's uh, scenario is different. You know, some people are going to be, that's going to be the forever home. So sometimes we're looking at buying that rate down to the lowest we can. You know, I got someone that's looking at a 2.875 today, but they're going to pay for that mm-hmm. uh, because they know that this is their forever home. They want to refinance this last time. So I'm a firm believer in the, um, you know, annual or semi, semi-annual um, meeting with your loan officer so that we can be strategic for that next purchase, for mm-hmm. that next investment property. We need to be talking about these things six to 12 months prior knowing that you're going to uh, go into a new primary, knowing that you want to invest into that second home or investment mm-hmm. property. It is so important that we set you up to succeed, but I need to know all the facts, all the different things that are coming up into play so that as I see things coming in and regulations changing, that I can uh, prepare you for that um, so that we're not blindsided in six months or a year down the road because things have changed. So uh, please, 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 just like with your insurance agent, your doctor, anybody else, you should be having these same checkups with your uh, mortgage advisor. We are advisors to help you get to your next level in life. I think that's huge. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's really that's good. Huge. I want to touch just one one part of that, Addy. What you got, Casey? Hit me hard. Election years and interest rates up there. You know, people forget too with the election year. You know, if you have a change of a president, 
you also have a change of an agenda. You know, each president has their own agenda, right? We saw, uh, you know, Donald Trump get elected, 16, um, you know, that was no, November, right? The elections started mm-hmm. happening, right? And he, he's, he gets elected. And then what happens? We saw in March, uh, agenda change, interest rate, uh, you know, high, uh, you know, the Fed started doing their first interest rate, uh, mm-hmm. interest rate increasement. So we saw that first hike in March, uh, quarter percent interest rate uh, hike. And then you saw it in June and then you saw it in September. So what I'm getting to is another thing to be aware of is when you have these election years, you have maybe a presidential change, you will have an agenda change. And what's that going to be? You know, are they going to be focused on, you know, more of the economy driven stuff? Are they going to be focused more on the health side of stuff? So that stuff is something to still be aware of because Mm -hmm. it will, you know, one way or another affect the real estate market. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, like everyone's got a different agenda. I just still don't think with 2020 being a pandemic year, uh, I don't think anyone's going to try to rock the boat. I really don't. Uh, I think we're going to stay in that relatively lower rate for a lot of the other reasons I, I panned off. And I just got another quick question via iMessager. Second homes, what does it take? I think that's a really good subject. We can kind of maybe land the plane on that because that's another consideration not a lot of people know. So if you are buying a second home, uh, you actually have some lower down options uh, as low as 10% on a conventional loan for your for your second property. Now there are, you'll want to get with your specific lender you're working with to see what their lender requirements is. But I believe it's like, it changes every year, right? Kemper's like 85 mile distance from your primary to your new, something like that. Casey? Unless it's like a destination area. So like, I think we're closer than that to the beach or if it was near a recreational area. Oh, like special exception. Yeah. yeah, If it makes sense, let's, let's say if it makes sense, it makes sense. Now I may have a daughter that's going to school in Seattle Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to get a second home there so I can be visitor near there. Yeah. As long that would work as well. It's all just going to make sense. You know, it's all about how we write it up and you're telling me what you're doing with the property. I'm going to tell you, yeah, that's investment or not. Now, are you going to be getting any rental income from it? Then um, that would be an investment property. Now, if Mm -hmm. it's going to be yourself, your daughter um, in the home, then that's a second home. So, uh, we talk about all those things as we're preparing the file for that property. Yeah, and an underwriter is going to have you attest to the fact that you're using it for a vacation home. So within your file going through underwriting, you are going to sign and explain that, hey, this is the reasoning for my vacation home. Like we literally, like to your point, like we go to X city to visit family all the time. Right. This makes sense for us financially, blah, 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 blah. I had, I had a good one uh it, it was pretty close in, in radius. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. it made sense because it, it was a condo on the mountain and they like to ski, you know, but they lived, let's just say, yeah. you know, if it was, you know, Portland or whatever, you know, um, wherever that primary was, you know, it wasn't completely crazy amount of distance, but it made sense because they went to the mountain every weekend. They're going to stay in their condo. They're going to ski it up. And, uh, you know, yeah. it made sense for a second home uh, per the underwriter and everything. So, yeah, you want to explain that story. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to remember, underwriters see so many files, they can see everything, you know, that's mm-hmm. the number one uh, fraud item in the mortgage industry is occupancy. Occupancy. And it's it's not even smart to even try to get around it. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's not worth it's, it. It's not worth it. Um, I'm going to end up doing 
a refinance for you down the road, I'm going to see it on your schedule E and I'm going to mm. be talking to you about it right away. If I see that, you know, that same next year we're pulling out cash for another property, it's like, come on, let's get the story straight. You know, yeah. what are we doing here? So I'm also going to make sure that you're not going to get into trouble either and walk you down that, that straight and narrow line and say, hey, we've seen this before. And, you know, we talk about all those people in 08 and 09 that uh, people got, that's what they nailed people on and these mm -hmm. little things, you know, just because it was easy. They signed a writer saying that it was going to be a second home or a primary residence. And then if they turn that in, that's fraud 100%. And so um, talk to your uh, mortgage advisor to make sure that they're putting you in a win-win situation. Yeah, that's a good point. And kind of just to bookend that comment, like I get some people be like, oh, well, why is it so hard? Like people maybe haven't done a mortgage in 20 years and now they're doing it. It's like, this is totally different than what I experienced two decades ago. I was like, yeah, a lot's happened since freaking 2000. You know, so you're explaining like these regulation and investor guidelines to conventional financing, the structuring of the guidelines to get approved is designed not to put someone into a position where they're going to foreclose. So as much as it is challenging, I think another note is it's not up to the loan officer. Like I, I've had people push back and be like, why would you ask for that? Like it's me. And it's like, dude, I don't pick and choose i'm literally reading the guideline here's a copy this is what i'm trying to prep your file for the path least resistant to be presented to the underwriter we want it to go just as much as you we don't make things up to make it harder and i think that's one kind of misperception that some people think that like you know casey's being a jerk and just over asking and making up rules it's not like we sit around the thanksgiving table and come up with a way to make it harder to do all of our jobs like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah pass the potatoes let's make this harder for jimmy no we're not trying to do that all right our our job is to show the ability to repay the loan um and your job as the client is to pr pr provide the documents to support the application that you gave us um the underwriter doesn't know anything unless you've given it to us so right. it's 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 the documents matches the application that's what we're looking for. So, um, again, back to your mortgage mortgage advisor. It's about be prepared and getting set up um, correctly. And back to the investment properties. Um, you know, like we've talked about, it starts with that one. Um, we're gonna if that's your goals. Gosh, man, that's a great ten year plan for me to get you. You know, the, your next four properties, and we will get you there. I've done it for many other clients, and um, the roadmap's been already. Uh, written out there it's just if you want to plug and play yeah yep that's a really good point and i think we're gonna slide into home on that note so hey thanks thank you for everyone that has supported mlo thus far the reach outs especially from the podcast side of it all uh grab us pick us up wherever you get your podcast we're in there mlo modern loan officer uh, we truly enjoy meeting every single week, Wednesdays and Fridays consistently. Um, and reach out, holler, text, call, send us an email, send us a comment. We're here to help. Like We've gotten reach outs from Atlanta this week. We have reach outs from Texas. And uh, we're here with the one common goal of creating an atmosphere of transparency specific to home buying and selling. So we're here to give the truth and here is a resource. So gentlemen, thank you again for being on Casey and Christian. And um, until next time, Shui, 
slide in to sardines to close it out. Love it. Bring it up. Down. Casey has the best dance moves for the sardine switch. We got sardine. Hot dog. Bring it. Sardine. Dog. Show me what you got, Casey. Boom. Oh, yeah. He says, yeah. <laughs> You're in the middle. You're always in the middle. You're sleeping right in yeah. the middle. Casey's always warm in the tent. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good evening. Have a good weekend. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of MLO. I wanted to direct anyone that wants to see our live streams, feel free to visit our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. We're up there for everyone doing what we can to create an environment of transparency for all people working in the industry, planning to buy a home, planning to sell a home. So till next time, my name is Addie Nett and this was MLO.